If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40? If you don't have a Bible and would like to use one of the red ones in the seat in front of you, Isaiah 40 is on page 347. As I mentioned before, we're beginning um, a season of Advent, and um, it's, it's customary for the church to celebrate Advent by looking at um, the Old Testament and the passages that point us towards um, and, and shape our longing for the coming Messiah. And so we're going to spend four weeks looking at four different passages in the book of Isaiah as we prepare our hearts um, to receive Christ. Isaiah 40 is, is a word of comfort from Isaiah written to um, God's people who are at this time held captive as exiles in Babylon. And so this is a, a, our hoping for comfort. Let's read the first 11 verses together. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up and fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word of comfort. And we pray now that your word would stand and last forever, even in our own hearts. We pray now in your spirit. Be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Israel's, sorry, Isaiah's word of comfort. Here it comes at the point in history in which the need for comfort is sharpest. These aren't just general words of comfort that might make it onto a Hallmark greeting card. This is not a word of consolation for those of us who are mourning Ohio State's loss yesterday. No, these words are great comfort for people who are facing the consequences for their sin, who have turned their back 
against their Savior and now are in enemy lands. They are worried that God has abandoned them because they know they have abandoned God. They are without their home country. The city walls and the temple have been destroyed. Their former glory and greatness have been brought to ruin. Their kings have been overthrown. Their culture is being taken away from them. Their future is uncertain. These are people who are in great need of comfort. Some of us know the need for words of comfort as well. Some of us, perhaps most of us, have gone through or are going through extremely dark and uncertain and troubling times. Some of us have gone through unemployment and lack of financial security, possibly in the last two years. Others of us have gone through grave health concerns and loss. Still others of us have gone through seasons of loneliness and isolation. At times, we too might be tempted to wonder, has the Lord not been faithful to his covenant people? Or maybe we have looked inwardly and have realized our own idolatry and faithlessness and are concerned for the consequences. All of us can sympathize in some way with these exiles. For we who also are are Christians, we live in a time of exile. It's what The Apostle Peter says, we too are living in this between stage. The the promised victory has come. Jesus has defeated sin and death on the cross. And yet we live waiting for his return. For, For the final restoration of all things, we live, yes, having our sin and death conquered for us. And yet we live in the midst of this dark world. It is in this tension, this promise to God's people that God will prevail, and yet they live in and we live in in a world of darkness. It's in that tension that we need these words of comfort. And so we see in this passage three words. There's three voices that cry out words of comfort. Let's take each one at a time. First, God assures us through Isaiah of his coming presence. We hear a voice calling out in the wilderness to prepare a way for the Lord, to make straight a path in the desert for God. Why? Because God is promising to come to the aid of his people. This is what Moses said to Israel as they were crossing into the promised land. He says, whenever you are in need, cry to the Lord, and the Lord will come to you from Mount Sinai and will come to your aid. Prepare a way for him. He is coming to your service. And the people are to prepare for his arrival. Like preparing for some dignitary with a parade to march through the land there to prepare for the Lord's arrival. What is that supposed to look like? Verse 4, the valleys are to be lifted up, the mountains made low, the even ground become level, the rough places become like a plain. In essence, Isaiah is saying every possible obstacle that would hinder the Lord from coming will be removed. Every barrier will be made to nothing. He will come 
to his people. Isaiah is making two comments. First, he's giving us assurance that no matter what we're facing right now, no, no matter what you might think as an obstacle in your life, that would prevent the Lord from showing his grace and mercy in you, those things are no obstacle to the Lord. Every barrier will be made nothing. He is saying that their languish, our languish, in in isolation away from the Lord, it is not proof that he cannot come. No one is ever too far gone and beyond the scope of God's saving grace. There is nothing challenging in your life now that would prevent the Lord from coming and giving you aid and assurance. There is no darkness too deep for the one who holds all things together in his hand. But the second thing Isaiah is saying here is is that we are to prepare for the way of the Lord. And when I hear the word prepare... Like, I, I think about welcoming someone into our house and, and all the preparation that has to go into that. Maybe this last week, uh, you hosted people for Thanksgiving or, or you went to a family member's or friend's house and, and you helped them prepare the house. I know for us, it was a whole, whole big ordeal. I mean, we started cooking on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we had to, like, rearrange the furniture and get the sides in the oven, let the pies cool on the counter, vacuum up, get on our nice clothes, and then, and then we welcome people. I was preparing the way for our family to come. But when Isaiah says, prepare the way of the Lord, he, he's not talking about get your life together. Get, get ready because God's coming. You better clean yourself up. Like That's not the way we prepare for the Lord. We prepare for the Lord by getting ourselves out of the way. Because sometimes we too become an obstacle that prevents the Lord from offering his service. We we think, I have to manage my own life. I have to clean it up. I have to get myself all put together for the Lord to do something in my life. Maybe you've heard the phrase, um, God helps those who help themselves. that, That could be... It is so wrong. Like, that is not the gospel. That is not God's grace and mercy. He does not wait for you to clean up your life and get out of the pit before he comes. He says, no, I am coming. You better be ready. I am coming. I I love the song that we sing, um, Come Ye Sinners. It's a song of invitation where we're reminded that the Lord is inviting us to come to him just as we are and receive his his grace. And I love the third line, and it summarizes this perfectly. Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. If we're trying to make our lives better before we go to the Lord for help, We're never going to go to the Lord for help. But he says, I'm coming to you. Get ready. Prepare the way in your heart. I am coming. And he promises it. That's what verse 5 says. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the second word of comfort. That it's the Lord himself who speaks. And his word 
stands forever. The second word of comfort is the assurance that God's word can be comforted. That's what verse 6 says. There's another voice that cries out, all flesh is like grass. Its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on it. This is a comment about the natural flow of seasons. That when the breath of the Lord, the wind comes, that the flowers of the field and the grass and plants, they wither away and then they come back and then they wither away. There's this natural flow. Seasons come and go. Just like people. We know about seasons here in Cleveland. By my calculations, uh, we have 10 seasons. We have first winter and then we have early spring and then second winter. And then we have spring, and then the first hint of summer, and then, again, late spring showers. And then you've got burning summer, first fall, second summer, and then normal fall, first winter, fall again, and then winter again. We know how the seasons are, they're unpredictable. Yeah, they come and go, but, you know, the, the flowers fade. They, they bloom too early, and then they freeze. Isaiah is saying, that's like us. We're, we're, we're at best unpredictable. We come and go. At worst, we're unreliable. The, the all flesh is like this. Just think about your own seasons of life. Like, I mean, the relationships that you've had. Maybe you have friends um, from high school that you stay in touch with. And then your college roommate or your gang that you pout around with. And then you graduated and, and you moved or they moved. And so now you've got new friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, the, the neighborhood you moved into. You've got friends from church or this church or that church. We have these seasons of life in which we're in people's lives and then out of people's lives. And at best, we're unpredictable. And at worst, we're unreliable with that. Like, I, I know myself, and it is... It is it is hard to stay faithfully comforting to all the people that I am in relationship with. And I know for many of you who are maxed out on your relationships, you too feel that stress of trying to maintain that kind of friendship. Isaiah is saying relationships, people in your life, they come and they go. And that's, that's a natural part of life. We are like grass we fade away. Even our beauty, our most, most glorious part of our lives, our, our, our spirituality, our morality, even that at times can seem unreliable. But there's one thing in this world that we can always turn to. We can always go to for words of comfort. We can always go to the word of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. The promises of God, they will stand the test of time. They are true from generation to generation. God's divine word, his promises, his words of comfort, they can be balms to our soul, especially when the people around us fail to give us the words of comfort we need. You know, Jesus talked about the man, the wise man who built his house on firm foundation, on the rock. 
The Apostle Paul talks about the church being built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles. That's the word of God. What does that mean? What does it mean to build your life on God's word? It means to rest in his truth, to store his word up in your heart and mind through memorization. It means to quote God's word to yourself when you need it, especially when you hear the accusing words of our enemy heaping on us guilt and shame. It means hoping in the promises of God and the assurance of his presence through the Spirit. It means believing what the Bible says is true, that Jesus lived in your place and died in your place, that your sins are forgiven, that you are accepted because of the perfection and righteousness of Jesus. It means that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. It means that there's nothing in this world that can separate you from the love that the Father has for you in Christ. It means that you are justified by faith, not by your works. It means that our God is a God of grace and mercy, who is slow to anger, and he is abounding in his steadfast love and faithfulness to you. Do you know those words in your heart? And this isn't just some like superstitious, like memorize the Bible and your life will be fine. No, it's a relationship where we come to God's word because it is God himself who speaks to us there. It is growing in our relationship with the one who gave us his word. That's why we can trust in it, because there is a person behind it speaking to our hearts. That's the second word of comfort. We can go to God's word because it will always stand What he has promised will come to pass. Finally, there's one more voice of comfort we hear in this passage. And this actually comes from Zion herself, the city of Jerusalem. They, as a a sort of personified being, is called to go to the mountains and to shout, to stand firm and with confidence cry out, to have no fear. And this is what they are to say. Behold, your God is coming to you, O cities of Judah. Behold, your God comes with a powerful arm. He is coming to destroy your enemy. He comes with the spoils of victory with him. Like a general who has conquered his enemy and returns home with the prize, the Lord comes with his reward. And who is that reward? The sheep of his pasture. The sheep of the shepherd are with him. And with one arm he rules victoriously and the other arm he gathers his sheep to himself. He comes with might and strength to defeat even the worst of fears. And yet he comes gently and lowly so that no one is left behind. This is the last word of hope and comfort. That the Lord God, your Lord God, is coming to defeat the enemy. He is coming to defeat the darkness. He will take his people back to himself. He will gather them together. What a word of comfort to the exiles who thought that God had abandoned them, who thought that their home and their temple was destroyed. 
Yet this word comes, I am coming to defeat your enemy. I am coming to bring you back home. What kind of God is this? What kind of God promises his own presence to come and be your comfort? What kind of God comes and says, I will defeat the worst enemy imaginable. I will bring you to myself. What God does this? We see this at the very beginning. Verse 2, the God who pardons their sin. The God who gives to them full payment for their sin and iniquities. That is the God who can bring us home to himself. No wonder that when Jesus starts his ministry and comes on the scene, the only words that the Gospels have to make sense of what is happening is Isaiah 40. Make way for the Lord. Prepare his way in the wilderness. John the Baptist comes out of the wilderness and says, prepare the way of the Lord. He is coming to you. And who is he pointing to? Jesus. Friends, the good news that Jesus comes to bring is the good news of Isaiah 40, but up a hundred times. The good news of comfort that Isaiah gives is the comfort that you and I have today. Our Savior has come. He has come with a mighty arm. He has defeated the greatest enemy that we have, which is sin itself. And he has gathered us to himself like a shepherd gathering his wandering sheep. That is the comfort we celebrate this season of Advent. Let's pray.